Welcome to Unfuck Your Brain, the only podcast that teaches you how to use psychology, feminism, and coaching to rewire your brain and get what you want in life. And now here's your host, Harvard Law School grad, feminist rock star, and master coach, Kara Lowenthal. Hello, my chickens. We are diving into perfectionist brain today. <laughs> and we are diving into the high achieving brain today. And we are having a really important conversation about how to adapt and understand coaching tools for your specific brain, especially if you are someone who has accomplished things in your life before and has already, you know, gone to college, maybe gone to graduate school, has gotten challenging jobs, has gone for promotions, has created big results in your life already. Now, listening to this, you may be thinking, yeah, but sure, I did those things, but here's why they don't count. We're talking to you, ma'am, or sir, or person of any pronoun that you use, if that's how you're thinking about this. But before we dig into the conversation that I'm having with my friend and physician, Coach Katrina, I want to make sure that if you are listening to this and you are a coach, make sure that you are thinking about how this topic shows up in your coaching and making sure that you feel like you know how to coach people who may not really be the right candidates for some of the traditional coaching tools that we are taught. It's super important to understand your niche and your clients and to understand whether they, for instance, need to be motivated to set goals and learn how to go after them, or if they need to learn how to chill out and slow down and actually take breaks. Those are very different clients with very different problems. And a lot of coaching tools are really focused on people who maybe need more help setting and achieving goals, taking responsibility for their lives, and they are not really as suitable for people who already take too much responsibility (laughs) for their lives and everyone else. So it's important to know who your clients are, who your niche is, who you are coaching. So if that is you, and as you're listening to this episode, you are thinking, oh yeah, I think my clients are in this category, or some of my clients are in this category, and I think maybe I've been like, teaching them tools that don't really map on to what they need. I want to make you to make sure that you are on the wait list for the advanced certification in feminist coaching. We are opening applications very, very soon in a matter of days, if you're listening to this when it comes out. And this is something that we work on in depth in the advanced certification in feminist coaching is how coaching tools and concepts need to be adapted for people who have different kinds of brains, different kinds of experiences, and different needs. It's not, coaching is not one size fits all. You may hear that when you first get coach certified, but the truth is we have all had different lived experiences and we have different lives and brains and we get different messages from society. So, you know, if it were one size fits all, it'd be an easy job, but it's not. So, Make sure you are on that list. You can text your email to plus one three four seven nine nine seven one seven eight four. That's plus one three four seven nine nine seven one seven eight four. The code word is ACFC, just those initials ACFC, or go to unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash 
ACFC, and you will be among the first to know. All right, let's get into it with Katrina. Hello, my chickens. I have a bonus podcast episode for you this week. It is just a lucky double week. And I'm really excited for this conversation, not only because my favorite people to have on the podcast are my friends, but also because I think that so many of those of you who listen to my podcast are maybe perfectionists who didn't know you were perfectionists, are maybe a little self-critical, maybe a little high achieving. There's a reason that the episode on perfectionist fantasies is like the most downloaded one of all time. And so today I'm going to be talking with my friend, Katrina Ubell, Dr. Ubell, for those of you who don't know her, who is a weight loss coach for physicians, but in the context of this podcast, more importantly, somebody who also was herself and coaches very type A, high achieving, driven, mostly women or all women. And we're going to be talking about how you sometimes need to adjust coaching tools that you might learn in various places to account for this particular kind of personality, right? No system is the same. Not every person is the same. Not every tool works the same. Katrina, can you introduce yourself and maybe like as part of that, kind of tell us how you got into coaching and where you started and how you got to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) So good to talk to you. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of did the classic path of the, the high achiever, you know, excellent student did all the, you know, the extracurriculars back in the days when you were expected to be a well-rounded student. you remember that to get into college, you needed to be well-rounded having a a soon to be college age kid. I found out that's not the thing anymore. Oh, what is the thing now to be like, now they want you to go like, deeper dive on certain things that you're really passionate about. And like, ideally that also then relates to whatever it is you want to study. You know, like if the moon's aligned, then those two things would uh, meet up. But this whole idea that you needed to like play a sport and be on the debate team and be also doing like community service and having a job and, you know, like all the things that apparently isn't the thing they're looking for anymore. So I did all of those things and got into, you know, my dream college. Actually, went to college to be an engineer. And that's what I actually got an engineering degree, but it was halfway through that, that I realized like, actually, I think I might want to be a doctor instead. I actually had not, you know, everybody, I felt like everybody went to college thinking they were pre-med. I was like, no, I don't want to do that. (laughs) But then it was like through some experiences I had in college that I was like, wait, I think maybe I do want to do that. And so, you know, talk about like the high achiever. So there were a couple of semesters in college where I took 24 or 25 credits Because I figured out that to go to med school, you needed all these prerequisites that had not been prerequisites for my major. So in order for me to apply to college and not have to take like an extra year, because like, you know, why would a high achiever perfectionist can't be take taking an extra, an extra year? year? No, God forbid. So I had to like stack on all these like extra mm-hmm. classes to be able to get the you know, basics and not even the basics. Well, some of it was basic sciences, but also like I had to take like an English class, (laughs) like things that had not been required for my major, but certain med schools required that. So I just really set up this whole system for myself where it was basically like, if you just try hard enough, you can achieve whatever it is that you want. And so, you know, my grades arguably were not really the super highest level to be able to get into med school, like what they would expect. But I'd also majored in a really, really hard major. 
And so when the regular pre-med advisor was like, Hey, you should probably take a year off. Like just take some time off. I was like horrified and super offended. So I went to the pre-med major or pre-med advisor of my major. And he was like, no, 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 we can get you in. And yeah. And I did get in, I got into multiple places shockingly. So went to med school became a pediatrician And then I was doing that for probably about eight or nine years before I first experienced coaching. I had heard like so many people, I'd heard the term life coach on Mm -hmm. Oprah. You know, I think it was Martha Beck. I didn't even know Martha Beck wasn't even Martha Beck back then, but like there was this woman named Martha Beck who was on Oprah and would talk about life coaching. Didn't really know what it was, but what happened was I had actually been doing Pilates with a woman. And then she moved away. And when she moved away, she just mentioned that she thought she might become a life coach. So somehow I like filed that into my Mm. memory. Then fast forward, I don't know, at least like a year, I was just struggling with a family issue. And it was one of those things where it was like, you know, the thing that had happened, which by the way, I don't, I literally don't remember what it was, but the thing (laughs) was, seemed a very big deal at the, you know, like in all caps, very big deal at the time. And so I was really unable to let it go. And I started thinking like, maybe I'm actually the one who has the problem here because mm-hmm. like the other party is not bothered by this at all. Like they're just <laughs> living their great life right. and I'm over here completely stewing. And I just, for some reason felt like I was like, I don't think therapy is the thing I'd done therapy mm-hmm. before and I didn't have anything against it. I just was like, I don't think that's really what I need, but I know if I don't do anything to help myself, like I'm going to say some things I'm going to regret, like something Mm -hmm. needs to happen here. And that's when I remembered this friend with the life coaching thing. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should reach out to her and see if she ever did that. Like, maybe that would be something for this. Mm -hmm. And she had literally just gotten certified. It was like one of those weird alignment things. And so she did two calls. She just actually, she had left to live in, in the UK, then came back had just moved back, had like all these babies and children and she was very busy. So, (laughs) so I did two sessions with her, learned the very, very basics. And it totally blew my mind completely was just like, what do you mean? My thoughts, create my feelings, create my actions. You know, it was just like, what? And it, it was, it was amazing. I immediately was hooked. I was like, I have to know more about this. And then it was really actually, as I was approaching my 40th birthday, where I was sort of doing a bit of a life reevaluation, looking at various different things in my life, really looking at like my job satisfaction. I'd been working as a pediatrician for about 10 years at that point. I had three kids by that point. And another common, you know, theme for me was that I just kept gaining and losing weight, like just kept gaining and lose. I mean, like at least 10 times of like 40 up, 40 down, 40 up, 40 down. And really just being like, feeling like something just seems illogical here that like, I keep repeating the same thing. And like, I am just not solving for this problem. Again, being a high achiever, I was just kind of like, it just doesn't seem logical that like whatever Weight Watchers has to offer is like the only thing there is, Mm -hmm. or, you know, and of course I tried all sorts of other crazy things that were not helpful either. And so I was kind of like, had my eye on the life coaching thing and then realized, oh, life coaching can help with weight too. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Like, let me you know, and I have to say, I was completely blocked in terms of any accessibility of my emotions. Like I'm, you know, not only am I a high achiever, I'm like, you know, both my parents are German, like from Germany, you know, like we don't do emotions. Like that's like not a thing, you know, it's just like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just keep going. So I really, really had so much to learn 
in terms of just like actually becoming aware of what was happening for me and realizing that I had just been using food as the way to shove that down. And I'd been doing that for a really long time. And so that's really, that was sort of my entry point really into coaching. And then I was like, wait a minute, actually, I never even wanted a business to be hundred percent honest. I really just wanted to learn more. I wanted to be able to like teach my kids this stuff. I was like, I wish I knew this when I was younger. And then I was kind of like, you know what? I bet there's other women doctors out there who also feel a lot of shame about being doctors who struggle with their weight when they're giving Mm -hmm. advice that they're not following and they don't know Mm -hmm. why. Like maybe there might be some doctors out there who want some help with this because it totally changed my life. And then that was like the start of this business and the start of me going, you know what? I think I don't want to actually doctor anymore. I think I want to help these amazing women who, you know, are <laughs> such great caregivers to all of us, but are really struggling on the inside themselves. And I feel like that's so like, whether it's about weight or anything else, and whether you're a doctor or not, that's such a common way that socialization sets women up, right? Which is to be like taking care of everybody else and not taking care of themselves, right? Like that is, mm-hmm. you know, what you hear, especially, I mean, I think it is changing, but we're all still alive with previous socialization and we're raised by mothers and grandmothers who really had the previous socialization. Totally. And that's and sort even of like, like just the trauma that they went through and stuff like now in right. hindsight, I just look at what my mother, my own mother went through, you know, her mother died when she was eight and like, no one ever talked about anything. She got never got, you know, it's like, right. how do you at eight years old get through that when no one's there? to support you. Oh, you shove your emotions down. She didn't use food, but you know, like we all have these coping mechanisms and to your point, like they're just passed on, passed on, passed on until it kind of hits some sort of breaking point, you know, for someone who goes, wait, hold on a second. I want to actually look into this further. Yeah. And I think that socialization around helping, right. That the best thing you can say about a woman or mother is that they were like selfless, that they, exactly. Right. If they say that at your funeral, you've made it. Yeah, right. I just, I mean, there's that meme that goes around, but I think on the internet, but I think is like there for a reason. It's like some old Tumblr post or something, but it's about somebody going to a woman's funeral and, you know, whether apocryphal or not. And like, everybody gets up and talks about like everything she did for them. And at the end, they're like, I have no idea what this woman was like. Like, I don't know what she liked to do, if she was funny, if she was smart, if she quilted, like, I don't know anything about her. All I know is that she like, gave everything she had to other people. And that was, and like, even if you're listening to this and you're like, wow, that's what I want to like, that's socialization. You don't go to men's funerals and hear that, like that idea that like you're the giving tree basically, right? Like that, Mm -hmm. that's what women are supposed to be like. Yeah. So So when you you finally chop down at the end, right? I mean, there's literally nothing left, (laughs) literally nothing left. They should stop reading that book to little girls. Right. I know. So when you found coaching tools, I'm curious what, and then, you know, I can, I'll talk about mine as well, but like what your experience was in terms of like, you know, coming from this background where you certainly knew how to set and achieve goals, (laughs) like, right. And like a lot of Mm -hmm. coaching tools are sort of focused on, I'm trying not to like ask the question in such a leading way, but I'd just be curious to hear kind of like what your experience was, like, did the kind of coaching tools feel like what felt relevant to you or what didn't, what felt helpful or what didn't, like, how did you experience that? Yeah. Well, you know, I have to tell you, like, just to kind of even frame this a little bit more is that like, you know, an issue that I've really worked on a ton, even in just like the last couple of years is this idea that like someone else is the expert. Mm -hmm. They know better than I do how I should live my life. 
for sure. I felt this way with weight. Cause it's, you know, the messaging also is like, well, you know, you're obviously the one who got you into this mess. So you can't mm-hmm. possibly be trusted to know what your body might need, you know, like you're the enemy. And so you have right. to enlist some expert outside of you to tell you when you should eat and what to eat and all this stuff. Right. So I had to spend even so when it's like nonsensical, like the expert says, literally, and like, you're miserable. <laughs> like a grapefruit and a tablespoon of vinegar a day, and you're like, well, that's the expert. So I guess that makes sense. Like your body is literally like screaming for food. You're like, no, so and so said I can't. Eat right. Dude, I like, heard on the wait, radio what? who I paid in twenty nine ninety nine to says the human body yeah. can live on grapefruit and vinegar alone. Right. So I guess that is exactly. plausible. That must be the way. So that was, you know, kind of where it was coming from. Also, when you're going through, you know, the schooling like I did, like you did, like other high achieving people, it's very much like there's this prescribed way. It's like you need to do this. You know, in medicine, there's like, you know, these practice guidelines, you know, best practices like to like the the right way, you know, in quotes or, you know, arguably the right way that's that's supported by evidence and, and research is to treat patients this way or do things this way or talk about things in this way in the office setting. So I think I just was really set up to like find an expert, find someone who is further ahead than me and then just believe every single thing they say, mm-hmm. you know, and not in why I say one person, I mean, there's lots of people. It can be like an author, it could be like anybody. And then just go like all in on what they're saying, because they clearly have the solution. I know nothing, even though, as you said, like, (laughs) arguably, wait a minute, I have actually been very successful in my life on my own. (laughs) So interesting. So I definitely found that like so many things, there was like many tools that were super helpful for me. And then many tools that I actually have had to spend years sort of like (laughs) scrubbing from my brain, right? undoing, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And so I like in hindsight now, what I was, you know, thinking about like, so what would I tell someone instead? The thing that I realized that I struggled with was it's like, you know, when you're such a high achiever and then you're exposed to like self help type stuff, it's like, just like with anything where we're like, I just need to achieve the next thing. And then I'll finally like myself be, you know, mm-hmm. satisfied, think I'm valuable, get to think positive thoughts about myself, whatever. It's like, oh, here's this person talking about this one way to do something, like maybe like how to do, you know, how to run your calendar, how to keep yourself on track with your calendar and achieve goals. So I better do what they're saying, even though I actually don't have a problem with that. And the mm-hmm. system that I've been using myself right. works just You're fine. like, it ain't broke, so I'm going to fix it anyway. Exactly. There is no problem mm-hmm. for me. So it's like, I think that the best thing for people like us, you know, to be yeah. thinking as they're being exposed to this and like being exposed to what I teach and what you teach and what other people yeah. teach and all the exposures is like, what is the problem that this tool solves for? And do I actually have that problem? Or do I even want to, maybe you do have the problem, but do you even want to solve that problem right now? Is that even, you know, the the thing that you want to focus on right now and allowing yourself to still be the expert, right? We're the experts in our bodies. We're the experts in our minds. Like we can empower ourselves to go, well, this is an interesting idea. Maybe I want to play with it. Maybe I don't, but I don't have to look at it like this is the end all be all thing. If I don't do this thing or do it this certain right way, then I'm wrong. Something's wrong with me. And it's like, we start creating more problems for ourselves and more opportunities for self-loathing, which of course never helps anything at all. Yeah. I mean, to me, this is why being aware of the sort of socialization and your relationship with yourself is so important because 
The truth is anybody else would have looked at my life and been like, you don't have a problem achieving things. But I still thought, I mean, you know, I got questioned right. on in our mastermind forever. I was like, they just can't tell. I actually am. Yeah, they, they don't know I that just, I'm lazy. I just, yeah, they really don't well. know that I'm lazy. I'm just able to like bang it out at the last minute. Yeah. They just don't know. Right. So it's like, mm-hmm. I didn't even have the self-awareness. Even if you had told me this, I would have been like, no, I do have a problem with that. Right. Which is why for me, I think so much of it is like my philosophy is I would much rather you do nothing and be nice to yourself about it than do a bunch of shit and be mean to yourself about it. Right. right. It's like that mm-hmm. relationship with yourself is actually the core thing that we're trying to work on. Yes. Because we're not even, I think with gender socialization, with high achiever socialization and perfectionism, we're like not even reliable witnesses about whether we actually have problems. <laughs> like we right. just think we're doing everything badly and could always be doing everything better. Totally. Right? And and that that kind of like lack of ever being satisfied, never, ever thinking that good enough is good enough or what we have is good enough is part of the problem, right? That's what has gotten us into the situation where we feel dissatisfied, where we feel like we're underperforming or coming up short in some way, even though all evidence on the outside, you know, is to the contrary. And it's just, it's just another way that we can sort of beat ourselves up. Like I've had many, many clients who are like, well, you know, the way I got to be this high achieving doctor is by beating myself up. So I'm really reluctant to give that up. And what I always remind them is, you know, these are the people that work with me. I'm like, well, okay, (laughs) you've decided that speaking really harshly and negatively to yourself created the result of you performing better. But what you're forgetting is that the only way that you could even tolerate being with yourself was by using food to numb out, you know, possibly alcohol to just try to like <laughs> avoid the, that right. negativity, you know? So it's like saying that that helped, but then you needed the, this other crutch because right. it was so uncomfortable and so awful. Like, and why are we fighting for this way of achieving things? Like, right. it's like <laughs> you know, it kind of doesn't make sense. Yeah. My answer to that is always like, what if you have actually achieved everything you've achieved in spite of your self-talk. Right. Exactly. Because of it. Right. Totally. Like you, mm-hmm. it's like correlation. It's not causation. Maybe exactly. you actually exactly. would have achieved even more without it. But 100%. I think that's also such a good point because basically what we're saying in that instance is it's so counter, right. It's like, I have to achieve things to feel okay about myself. But when I drive myself to achieve things, I'm doing it by feeling shitty about myself. So I don't feel <laughs> exactly. right. So like, what is the point? You're trying to achieve things right. to feel better about yourself, but the method you're using makes you feel terrible about yourself. So you're yeah. never, that's never going to produce feeling good about yourself. Like you can run that equation 10,000 times. Yeah. I don't know about you. I mean, I feel I'm still working on this, you know, in various degrees. Like I feel like this year has been a big one for me in just really more deeply, fully absorbing in the concept that like if I don't like the day to day, of my life, of my work, then that's on nobody but me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like no one's going to come and rescue me. There is no accomplishment that will feel so good that it will make up for feeling bad along the way. Like it really, really comes down to me saying, you know what? I don't want to live my life this way. And it could just be like, hey, you know, my attitude sucks and I need to change that. And I need to remind myself how I want to approach these same things that I'm doing. Or it could be that I'm not doing them, you know, either the same way or in the same volume, or I definitely have this. It's kind of like, you know, if I'm feeling off kilter, like my first thing is like, I should just work more. 
Mm-hmm. Like always overworking is like, you know, the, the kind yeah. of subconscious solution. And so I think that when we identify that about ourselves, like we just have to be aware, like, okay, that's me doing that again. Like now I'm working on the weekends or now I'm staying up late working. Okay. I got to dial that back again. If I can't get my work done during that time, then I got to really look at, you know, what I'm taking on and why am I saying, you know, like really this, I, I think it was for so much of my life, it was like, just get through this punishment because it'll be better on the other end. Yeah. You know, that's so much of like med school and our medical training and all that. Right. And like, even, even like for people who have babies, like, you know, make it through, I mean, for me being pregnant was awful, right? Like just get through this like nine months of horribleness so that you can have the reward of the baby on the other end. And then you have the baby and they're like, this kid won't latch and they're up all night. <laughs> and like, this is really hard. So like, let me just get them till they sleep through the night. Okay. Now they're sleeping through that. Like, let me just get them till they can talk. You know, you know we just, always think like satisfaction and happiness is at the other end. At the other end. I do some work with, with Vicki Louise, who's the time coach. And I just felt so called out by one of her posts recently. Cause even though I I teach like, you can't hate dating and expect to find love. You can't, you know, she had this post that was like, you can't like work your way now to the 15 hour work week later. And I was like, (laughs) fuck you. (laughs) Absolutely. I can. (laughs) Yeah. Because it just made me realize like I told, and I don't overwork, but definitely in my mind, it was like, yeah, 15 hours would be great, but I have to do, it's going to take more upfront to get to that place. Right. That's such a common thing. And we're socialized to think of that as a virtue. Right. And it is such totally. a balance. Like I see with, you know, coming into like, now that I am spending more time with children and my partner has kids and I'm like more, you know, sort of involved in that process. It's like balancing these lessons that you want to teach of like, yes, delayed gratification is important in some instances. Mm-hmm. Like it is important to learn how to do things for future benefit. If you want mm-hmm. to do anything other than like lie around in the woods and eat berries, which also sounds great, but hard to do in a capitalist economy. (laughs) Like you're going to have to cultivate that. And at the same time, not instilling this sort of like suffer now, be happy later. Right. Which I also Mm -hmm. think of as this very like kind of Christian concept of like life on earth is hard and terrible, but then like there's heaven afterwards, Mm -hmm. which like I have to be like, I'm Jewish. There's no heaven. So I need to enjoy this now. Like I don't, I'm not going anywhere. Or it's just like, this is hard, but just don't wallow. Like, you know, there's no sense in complaining. So just, you know, pretend like there's nothing hard about this, which is like, you know, essentially kind of, you know, like gaslighting yourself. You're like, your lived experience is this, but no, it isn't. You're not allowed to feel like it's that way. And so, you know, I mean, I know you know this, how many coaches are like sharing something that they're, you know, really struggling with. And they're like, I know it's just a thought. Like it's this immediate little like dig on themselves of like, I shouldn't really be struggling with this. It's like, or you should be because you know what? You're a human being and you're allowed. (laughs) All of human suffering is thoughts, but like, so what? That's like saying, I ate something that made me sick. Like, I know it's just food poisoning. Like, yeah, but just like, it feels bad while it's happening. And right, exactly. That's it's not sucks. like a problem. Mm-hmm. I think you, you talked about something earlier that I want to go back to, which I think is like the desire that we have for somebody to be the external authority, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's what gets us into this, I think. Like when you get a cookbook, are you like, I have to cook every single recipe in this from the front <laughs> to the back. I have, right? Like right. most of us, sometimes, yes. I used to be like this with a New Yorker. I've talked on the podcast before about how it was like, so freeing to me when I just gave literally this is, sounds hilarious now, but like gave myself permission to not read everything in the New Yorker. Like I just had this belief that like to be a well-informed, sophisticated person, I had to read all the articles, even though every New Yorker has a 25 page article about 
like a terrible war somewhere, which, and I just, right. like, so you're like, I have to do this, even though I feel I'm like, I have afterwards. to do this because why I'm the foreign correspondent for the BCC, like the, right. on my off time, like <laughs> I am not, in fact, I do not need to be an expert on the war in Libya. Yes. I should personally have a value of being generally informed about the world, yeah. you know, but like, that's very different I'm than like the 25 that page interest in geopolitics as it turns out. And I don't want to read this article, but like yeah. literally years, I would like read the whole thing cover to cover. Cause I like, didn't think I was allowed to skip the parts. I didn't want to. But at least with cookbooks, I did know I could pick and choose. But we come to coaching or any kind of, you know, I think there are ways in which like coaching occupies the space that used to be for some people would otherwise be occupied by like religion or a spiritual community or a whatever or a cult or like that's not because yeah. coaching is a cult. It's just because people just with therapy or meditation or yoga, anything like mm-hmm. they just want a system to organize their mind and lives by. Right. They want like, what is it? The EOE, the explanation of everything. Like we want the EOE that will explain everything for us. And that will be our like primary system to live by. So then we find coaching and we're like, this isn't a cookbook where I can pick and choose. Right. I have to like accept the entire thing. And then that's, you know, the equivalent of being like, I don't even like capers or salmon, but I'm going to eat. And and also there is no salmon here. And also this recipe is for a vitamin B deficiency and I don't have one, but I just like have to do it anyway. Or the same thing. I mean, I'm sure you see this. I for sure see it as like the people who view food as like a religion, essentially, right? Like the healthy eating. You know, I did a five-year anthropological thing also to use. I mean, I did a five-year dive into veganism, and you would think that that's like, oh, just don't eat animals. Like, no, it's actually like very involved and different factions within it. And they all think that if you don't do it their way, then you're doing it wrong. And also if you don't have every health issue you've ever experienced, you know, um, and mental issue solve, you know, like clear up immediately and eating that way, then you're doing it wrong. It can't possibly be that maybe that way of eating is the right thing for you. Katrina, you're a doctor and you know that beans cure schizophrenia. We all know that. You (laughs) just eat enough combined legumes. (laughs) A complete protein, as my mother used to say. What does that mean? She goes, I don't even know. (laughs) She just knew it was something good. (laughs) So I think one of the things that we're kind of drawing out here is like, Honestly, whether you're a high achieving person or not, but particularly if you know that like you are the kind of like, I sometimes think people who are less high achieving actually are better at this because they are sometimes Mm -hmm. people who are a little more like rebellious or have wanted to make their own way or like didn't, right, just fold into the system where some of us were like, Mm -hmm. oh, there's a system and I'll get an A at the end. I'm all in, right? Mm -hmm. And we just like, that's how we move through life. Like I'm working on my book right now and like I've been writing about like this exact thing that I found coaching and it was like, I forgot the feminism part of my brain for a minute where I was like, okay, this is the new world order. Like this is the new regime. This is how the world works. And then I eventually had to be like, something's missing. What was that thing I spent 25 years studying and teaching and (laughs) writing about? Is that maybe relevant to this? Like, but that's what I think both of us are teaching in different ways. Like it is scary, especially for people socialized as women to get in touch with their own discernment and authority because like, Mm The stereotypes about women for thousands of years have been that we are like irrational, overly emotional, not suitable for leadership, like can't be trusted to make decisions, can't rely on ourselves, need someone to tell us what to do. Our uteruses are wandering all around our body, making us crazy. When there's a full moon, we lose our minds. Like we are just, you know, socialized for so long to not believe that we can be the authority and we can be 
trusted with ourselves or anything else, except like right. the household and child ruling, which apparently we're supposed to right. magically and naturally know exactly how to yeah, do. I, exactly. And so I, that like, to me feels like the biggest threat here is like, I mean, I have an episode, I'm sure you talk about this too, that's like, no, God's no gurus. Like, I don't know yeah. everything. Don't do everything I teach if it doesn't I, I'm totally like, to listen, you, what you have to do is like, does this make sense for me? Like, how can I possibly right. know when someone else is supposed to eat? Right. I don't know when you're hungry. Like, <laughs> right. Like it, it, honestly, if you think about it, it is really, you know, kind of egotistical, like to be thinking, to be telling someone like, you need to fit all your food into this box. And that's right. all the food your body has called the F factor about the F factor diet. Have I've you ever heard of the this? F factor diet? What's oh my God. It? it was basically a high fiber diet, but I think that the person ended up like having products and, but they're like telling these stories of people who I mean, they're just eating insane amounts of fiber, which for some people may work for them. And for some people does not work for them. <laughs> no. Right. And it's actually not a good idea, but that people just kept going. Right. And it's like, not because people yeah. are stupid. It's because we're so socialized to be divorced from our own bodies. And that might be mm-hmm food and eating, or it might just, your emotions happen in your body too. So, right. All of this is like being divorced from your body, whether or not you're thinking about your weight or eating, just being divorced from like, am I tired? Do I need to take a walk instead of get on this phone call? Do I feel overstimulated? Do I feel understimulated? Do I like, am I sad? Am I tired? Like all of that is in your body. And these people just like, they were like having really intense physical discomfort and pain and like, believe it. And they just like kept going. Cause it was like this lady is the authority. And she told me to eat all the fiber and you know, it's like, just I, to, your, to what you're saying about gods and gurus though. Right. It's right, like, totally. you know, this religion makes me feel terrible and I hate myself and I think I'm the worst person in the world, but I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and of course, from my perspective, and I think also, even though you do coach weight loss from yours too, it's like your weight is not the most important thing in the world. Right. So like no, people I'm always like, listen, I don't give a crap what you weigh that. I mean, right. <laughs> Sorry, but I really don't. I right, care totally. that you stop hating yourself and that you stop obsessing about food all the time. Right, right. <laughs> so like when you combine that like revocation of our own authority and the sort of like, this is what matters is like how you look or the number on the scale or whatever. Of course, you get people who are completely divorced from their right. own experience and are willing to like undergo a lot of emotional and physical suffering because yeah. somebody else told them that that's okay yeah. or not a big deal or not really happening or worth it. Right. And, and I like, have I to think- say that, like, I've had to work on this even in my business too, for years of like, no, I am the expert in my business. There's no yeah, totally. coach who's going to come in and know better than me how to run this thing, you know, and like 100%. really deeply believing that that was like a huge part of this too, of like, you know, I don't need someone to come and rescue, you know, this business or me or save me or anything like that. Like, like I actually <laughs> have the knowledge, like it was so interesting. Like I've told you before, like I've had times I'm like out on a walk and I'm like, Oh man, I'm struggling with this thing. And I should call Cara and see if she coached me on this. And then I'm like walking, I'm like, well, what do you think Cara would say? And then I'm like, I hear your voice <laughs> in my head and you're like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, but blah, 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 back. Like, so basically you're in my head coaching me. And by the time I get home, I'm like, I don't need to call Cara. I'm fine. I got I've, been coached. <laughs> I've been hearing you in my head being like, nobody's coming to rescue you. That has been like the theme of my last six months. But totally. That's what it is. Right. And we have to see, like, there's always we have it uh, in us. <laughs> Yeah. And the appeal of not like, you know, I think not to get too grad schooling, but like, I, I feel like we need more Foucault in the coaching world, right? Which is like every, like there's two sides to every power dynamic, right? So when we make ourselves not the authority, yeah, all this bad shit can happen, but it also protects us from like taking risks and putting ourselves on the line because we're just always like, oh no, I don't know, not me. I'm going to like 
do what somebody else says. But then of course, if it doesn't work out, then I can like also blame that other person. Right. Right. As opposed to taking that responsibility. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it feels shitty when I think I need to be rescued, but it also gives me this hope that like a magical solution will come. Right. It's like two sides of that same belief Yes. versus if I'm like, nope, I got to rescue myself. Like that's both scary and empowering. Right. Exactly. It's, I feel like it's just like this ever evolving maturity, you know, whoever said that, like, you know, you become whatever, even, you know, with your prefrontal cortex fully developed, you know, executive functioning developed by age 25. I'm like, no, and this is, you know, established as well, but like not that often talked about, like we continue to mature as we age. And I do really think it's like, you know, even just as a human, but also like as a business owner, as a coach, as, you know, a partner, as a friend, you know, like all those things, like you mature, you learn, like, I think ideally, like we take ownership and responsibility for our own successes and our mistakes and failures. And we learn from the mistakes and failures and from the successes. And we keep iterating and figuring it out. And I just keep thinking like, at the end of this, whenever that that comes, like, am I going to be, you know, more satisfied with the fact that I really relied on myself, even though it was harder and was a lot more uncomfortable at times mm-hmm. than going, well, you know, someone else gave me orders and direction. And I was just like the foot soldier who carried it out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it worked out sometimes and it didn't like, I don't think that will feel as satisfying. No, totally. And there's nothing wrong with, I mean, both of us are people who have been experts, are experts and consult experts. Like we were just talking about, I'm yeah, like, I'm going to be having someone come help. out here to like oh. figure out the lighting in here. Right. So it's not, yes. I don't want this, any of this to be taken as like, yeah, like you so, just should never, you, know, you decide for yourself no, and no, 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 no. it works. <laughs> like, no. I always just look at it. Like I'm a pretty visual person. So I think of it as like creating like a separation or a distance physically between me and the idea or the book or the person mm. or the whatever. And I think of it as like that space is like the filter rather than before it was like, I was glued to that person, like whatever they said, right into my head, off I go to go do it. Now I'm like, there's a bit of a filter where I can give myself a moment to just sit back for a second and go, okay, they said that, Mm -hmm. what do I think about that? You know, like, like, let me just take a minute to see what my own opinion is, like filter it through my own brain first and then decide how and if I want to take action. Yeah. And if you're not doing that, also, I think when you do that, you have more of a chance of actually hearing what someone is saying, because of course, part of what happened is like, we encountered coaching tools that may not even have been taught in the way that we heard them, but because we were on that. Seriously, something must be wrong with me. So I'm just looking for you to tell me. Right. So like a coach can say, nothing's wrong with you. And here's how to do X. And we just like, did not hear the nothing's wrong with you part. And we're like, great. Here's how to do X. I'm finally good enough. I see my students doing that too. Like my whole podcast is me being like, I don't give a shit about your calendar. I want you to like yourself. And then people are writing in being like, I just can't do my calendar the way Cara says I have to do it. Right. I'm like, this is not Right. You only hear what you're open to. And I think, I mean, I love that, like taking the step back. And and the thing I would add is sort of like, I also think it's what, like, I totally will consult experts, but then if I try it and it isn't working for me, like at that point, am I like, great, that was a good experiment. And this is not the right thing for me. I'm not getting the result I want. Right. Or do I continue to be like, nope, my result and me must somehow be wrong. Yeah. Right. I feel like even think about it like, oh, that's an interesting idea. Instead of that's the way to do it. Right. Let me try that. Like you are Mm -hmm. a source of one and you have to decide how much risk you're going to take. Like I'm like, pretty sure penicillin does work. Not going to experiment and see if maybe it doesn't. Like (laughs) that's not worth the risk. I'm pretty, I'm just going to accept that authority for sure. There's other places where I might be like, I'm going to try it and see what happens. And there's other places where I'm going to be like, I feel comfortable just not even trying that. Like, right. Or we all have to make, right. Make those decisions. But I think what we're talking about isn't like, 
you're the expert of N equals one. And so nobody else's expertise matters. It's like, how do you use your own discernment, your own experimentation? Perfectionists, we all hate that because we're like, but then how do I know if I got it right? Yes. Like what, right? Like I need to know ahead of time, but the whole work is like not having to know that you got it right. 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 Exactly. That you used growing up in a system that told you like, here's how you get the A and then you're like, okay, cool. I'm going to do all those things. And then you get the A really messes you up when you confront other things in life where it's not so clear. I mean, that really hit home for me when I was struggling with some fertility issues after I'd had my first kid, they're like, we don't know why you can't get pregnant anymore. Mm. And like trying harder doesn't work. I I don't know what to tell you. Like it doesn't, that, that does not work. And I remember feeling so like, but no, like, this is not how my life is. Like, I just know, like, if there's something I can rely on, it's my ability to work hard and to persevere until I get the thing that I want, which you could, I guess, argue and say that I did do that. And in the case Mm -hmm. of fertility, I did still get what I wanted, but there was no guarantee of that at all. And like, you know, that whole, like, we don't know why that happened or, you know, like there's no clear pathway laid out. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, that is not how my life is, you know? And I think that, that I even see, you know, my, my oldest son is a junior in high school and, you know, he's like looking at the rubric and the whole whatever. And I'm like constantly trying to like filter into him. Like it's important, but it's not that important. And, you know, it's like, you're doing this just to get the grade, but that's not how life is always going to be. Like, just, I feel like it's like, yeah, duh, logically we know that, but like, wouldn't it have been nice to like more deeply (laughs) understand that? You know, like even like, even like, you know, I was talking about overworking, like there's overworking, like I overwork in the sense that I'm going about the rest of my life, but I'm thinking about work, you know, my thoughts are consumed about work. I'm like always in that place, Mm -hmm. even if I'm not physically in my office or physically working, you know, like someone could just be like, you need to figure out a way to literally stop so that you can take a break from that. Like that would have, I think that would have really helped. But I mean, let me just say, I don't think I have had many clients say like, I'm just so mad that I didn't learn this stuff until now. And I'm like, I never think about it that way. Mm -mm. It came at the perfect time. I probably wouldn't even have been open to it. I would have probably thought it was newsflash. People had mentioned this shit to us before, but we weren't ready to hear. I think I've said the same thing. I'm like, I probably did learn it. And I was, I mean, I wanted to be a psychology major in college. What are the odds? I had never, no one, I had (laughs) never seen something that said that thoughts cause feelings. Like I'm sure that that information had been presented to me in a variety of ways, but I was not ready to hear it until I was ready to hear it. A hundred percent. Yeah. I totally agree. I totally agree. I think really what it is, is we're just like, we just want, we want relief from our pain and we wish we could have had it sooner. And I'm like, or the pain got us to where we are now. And now we're really motivated to get out of the pain. So that's a good thing too. Also, there's going to be some, well, I mean, to me, I my I get that a lot. And I'm my coaching that is just like, I got news for you. There's more pain coming. Like <laughs> exactly. It's like this idea <laughs> that if you had known this before, you wouldn't have had a human experience for the last 10 years. Like, nope, still yeah. going to happen. That's going to happen going forward, even though you do know about this. Like right. it's not an offering. Exactly. So tell people where they can find more about you. Yeah. Well, you know, I just, I just wrote a book that is coming out, which you know a lot about. We've been sort of doing this somewhat simultaneously. So the book is called How to Lose Weight for the Last Time, Brain-Based Solutions for Permanent Weight Loss. I do just want to mention that I feel like the title has multiple meanings. Like the secondary meaning to me is like another way to lose weight for the last time is to stop trying to lose weight. True. Right? Like just give up on that. Like just stop with that part. 
but maybe we could create a little healthier relationship with food and ourselves mm-hmm. and, you know, and whatever happens with your body happens with your body. Cause that's not really that important anyway. And what's most important is that you don't feel consumed. Like I used to be with constant thoughts about food and your weight and hating yourself about all of that stuff. So that book's available everywhere as well as audiobook. And then I have, you know, lots of free resources on my website, katrinaubellmd.com. Awesome. Go check it out. You guys. All right, my friend, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks so much, Cara. Listen up, coaches. If you are a coach of any kind with any experience, certification, non-certification, multiple certifications, (laughs) whatever, if you are a coach, if you are working as a coach, if you are coaching, whether that's one client or 20 clients and you're listening to this podcast, it is super important that you make sure that you are on my email list that's only for coaches. I have an email list where I keep coaches updated on anything I'm doing that is for coaches and where all of my teaching and information and training and all of that good stuff that's for coaches goes so that this podcast doesn't, you know, just become just for coaches. So if you are listening and you are a coach, and you have ever wanted to, or think you may ever want to learn more about feminist coaching from the coach perspective of how to be a better feminist coach, how to bring intersectional feminist principles into your coaching, how to dehierarchize, <laughs> dehierarchy the coaching relationship, how to create more feminist coaching spaces, how to coach in a way that is more transparent and inclusive and collaborative. All of the feminist coaching principles that I teach, you need to be on this specific email list. So here's how to get on it. Text your email address to plus one three four seven nine nine seven one seven eight four. Again, that's plus one three four seven nine nine seven one seven eight four. The code word is just the initials. A-C-F-C. A-C-F-C. So that stands for the Advanced Certification in Feminist Coaching, which is my advanced certification for coaches where I certify people to practice my feminist coaching principles and framework. And of course, all of that information also goes to this email list. If you have been waiting for us to open up registration again, we only do it once a year. We're coming up on it soon. Applications will open to that list first and applications are done on a rolling basis. So the earlier you apply, the better your chance of getting in. So if you want to know when that's happening, anything related to feminist coaching goes to my feminist coaches list. So again, text your email to plus one three four seven nine nine seven one seven eight four. Use code word ACFC, all the initials, or go to unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash ACFC. Okay, again, unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash ACFC. Make sure you get on that list because that is where all the good coach stuff goes. I'll see you there. If you're loving what you're learning in the podcast, you have got to come check out The Clutch. The Clutch is the podcast community for all things on Fuck Your Brain. It's where you can get individual help applying the concepts to your own life. It's where you can learn new coaching tools not shared on the podcast that will blow your mind even more. And it's where you can hang out and connect over all things thought work with other podcast chickens just like you and me. It's my favorite place on earth and it will change your life. I guarantee it. Come join us at www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. 
That's unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. I can't wait to see you there.